Hello and welcome to the weekly podcast. We haven't really come up with a name yet. I'm Malik Muzamil. This is Heather Vasi. And we're going to come at you with a weekly podcast like the name of the podcast. Uh, we're going to discuss current events, sporting events, anything else we find interesting. So, do you want to get started? Yeah, we're going to make fun of each other a lot too. Probably, yeah. So, I hope you enjoy that. <laughs> Acha, let's start with our first topic of the week, and that is Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov, which happened yeah, so I'm last week. Yeah, so I'm going to cut you off there. <laughs> Please, um, go ahead. Because you are saying Habib's name wrong. It's Khabib. It, it, there's a K. No, there's the, the K is silent. The so K is silent, okay. It's, it's supposed Tika. to be like Habib. Tika, if you say so. I mean, you as a UFC fan should know this, that it's <laughs> Habib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very solid Russian pronunciation of his name. But yeah, so um, the first thing I found interesting about Habib, I used to call him Khabib as well, but um, the first thing I found interesting... I'm glad you can educate the whole world they need about they, they need his correct pronunciation. So um, this guy is not really set as a Muslim hero yet. He is now, he is now, hmm. but... Not many people, especially in Pakistan, knew about this guy, um, particularly before this fight. But uh, he's, uh, I think he's one of UFC's only um, unbeaten, he's unbeaten... Uh, he's the only unbeaten champion in the UFC. He's, he's the yeah. only unbeaten champion. Um, no, sorry, Chris Cyborg is also unbeaten. Chris Cyborg He's is... the only male unbeaten fighter in the UFC. Okay, excellent, yeah? excellent. Yeah. And he's from Dagestan which is in um, Western Russia. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a large Muslim population there. Is it near the Caspian Sea, you were saying? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not sure about that. Might be wrong on the geography. Don't <laughs> trust us on that. But uh, Dagestan, which has like, it's a very unstable region. It has like a lot of uh, political tension going on all the time. Like, um, I think it has a lot of similar problems to Pakistan as well. Uh, mm. There's like two Muslim factions. Uh, the Sufi, Sufis and the Salafists and they have a lot of like issues going on there. So for great, Habib, thank you for that uh, history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but Dagestan has produced some great fighters. There's a lot of great fighters in the UFC who are uh, coming out of Dagestan and they're Khabib's teammates. And there was a huge controversy this past weekend with what happened after Khabib destroyed Conor McGregor. Yeah, he, de he demolished McGregor. Yeah. I mean, um, first I think we should talk a little bit about the fight itself. Mm -hmm. I'm not much of a UFC fan, but I did, I did stay up, I, I did wake up very early to watch this fight. It wasn't that early. I mean, it's early for me, I tend to wake up very late. <laughs> okay. So it was a weekend and it was quite early Jeez, for uh -huh. me. So, um, and as I was saying, I'm not that big of a UFC fan, but um, the first thing I noticed was the two contrasting styles between those, these two fighters. Mm -hmm. Habib is um, he's more of a, he's, he's trained in sambo and mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu and all these other martial arts. And he, his tactics are basically his style of play. He grows and grapples the other fighter. Yeah. And it was a classic grappler versus striker matchup. Exactly. exactly. And the grappler won, clearly. Yeah. So, as in... Uh, there was one point which I really enjoyed um, because I was supporting Habib being a Muslim. <laughs> and yeah, so that's one point I want to clarify that if you are a Muslim and you were not supporting Habib, um, that just makes you a terrible person. <laughs> I think I wasn't supporting Habib. <laughs> Sorry, Habib. Habib, Habib. I mean, Am I a terrible person? <laughs> You were supporting McGregor. I was supporting McGregor, yes. but I was also very happy when Khabib won. So I think that does make me a terrible person. <laughs> you genuinely are an awful, awful person. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's uh, rare that a Muslim guy wins. We get one over the white guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, the, so from the start of the fight, from round one to, I think, round four is when it finished. Yeah. So Habib basically, he, from the first round, he went and he grappled McGregor. And when Habib grapples you, when he wrestles you to the ground, it's, it's impossible to get out of that. Yeah. Um, Connor did well. He defended the takedown for a little while. He hung in there for like 20, 30 seconds, but eventually Habib got to him. But he didn't inflict a lot of damage in the first round. I think Connor made it out the first round quite, like, 
unscathed to yeah. an extent. Yeah. When the second round started, then Khabib caught him with that right hand, which oh, surprised yeah, it did. everyone. Yeah, it did, it did. It no like one that. was expecting that, but yeah, he uh, caught him with the right hand, dropped corner, and then the, the onslaught just began, the grappling. Yeah, he took was, him to the ground and just pounded on him. There was, yeah, there was this one part of the fight where he has McGregor pinned down to the ground mm. and McGregor is just shielding his face and he's yeah. just wham, wham, bam, bam <laughs> on his face. He's going crazy. <laughs> and that's just brutal. I mean, yeah. that's one of the reasons I don't watch UFC because it's just a... I you can't, you it. can't handle it. No, I think it's just uh, like, it's just... Very difficult to watch. No, it's, a, it's an art form. And if you appreciate the I art mean, form, then you can watch these fights. It's almost barbaric. <laughs> no, not if you appreciate the art form. Watch it I guess as an art. It's a martial art. It's a mixture of martial arts. Sure. For MMA. You, for you, I guess, watching a man get beaten down his face, <laughs> beaten to pulp is a martial art <laughs> or an art form. But it's difficult for a lot of people to see that. Mm, fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, so... But huh, in the third round, Conor made a comeback. He did well. They stood up for most of that round. Khabib, I don't think, landed many takedowns in that. Conor did well. He hit him a few times. And then after that, fourth round, Khabib took him down and then submitted him. He beat him a bit and then neck crank, finish, that's it. And then what ha the interesting part, or the more interesting part, or the part that's getting more attention now, is what happened after the fight, unfortunately. Which was K Khabib took out his mouthpiece, he threw it in the ground, and then he jumped over the fence and attacked Conor McGregor's uh, jiu-jitsu coach, Dylan Dennis, who was apparently saying some stuff to Khabib, and he had also said some stuff to him online. And Khabib didn't take, take, that, uh, take that very well. So, yeah, he flew like the eagle that he is nicknamed <laughs> after, and he attacked Dylan Dennis. And then there was chaos, there was a huge brawl, Two, other, two teammates of Khabib stepped into the ring. One guy attacked Connor from the front after I think Connor had punched one of Khabib's teammates earlier on the fence. Oskibad, one of Khabib's teammates, punched Connor in the back of the head, which was not good. And I don't think anyone appreciates that because it was a cheap shot. Khair, um, that's getting the most attention. And apparently, uh, that fighter, he's also signed with the UFC. He was supposed to fight uh, Connor's teammate, Artem Lobov, in two weeks' time. But that fight might be off the cards because the UFC is fighting him. But another interesting thing that happened is Khabib said to the UFC recently that he will not stand for this. And if his teammate is fired, he will quit the UFC, which is, uh, which is something we haven't seen before from a UFC fighter because he's really standing with his teammate there and he doesn't care about titles or his UFC contract or anything like that. Yeah, so this uh, fight, the build-up to it, it was extremely personal. Yeah. Um, I think it started with uh, McGregor. He came and he attacked Habib's bus. Yeah. I, I'm not quite <laughs> sure what happened before that. There was some other... Uh, uh, the the, the well. origin of this is um, the teammate who's set to fight uh, Habib's teammate, Connor's teammate, Artem Lobov, who's also Russian. Yeah. Um, he had an altercation with Habib and his team and Habib slapped him. Okay. And uh, Artem told Connor, I suppose, and then Connor brought some boys in a private jet from Ireland to New York. Okay. And then they went and attacked Habib's bus. And this Dolly incident where he threw the Dolly at the bus was really terrible. Two fighters got seriously injured and weren't able to fight on that card. That means they lost all the money because the fighters get paid when they fight. Yeah. Ray Borg got uh, bad cuts in his eye and uh, he actually had to have surgery after that. And Michael Chiesa got a cut in the forehead after which he couldn't fight. So, and uh, there was a lot of traumatic um, damage as well because the people, the people were emotionally suffered because of this event because there was a lot of UFC staff on the bus and they thought they were genuinely being attacked by some thugs. But it was Conor McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> So I think McGregor was in trouble with the New York State Police with that. Yeah. He had a court date and hmm. they banned him from fighting in New York. Yeah. So um, after that, there was a lot of, um, obviously, Connor's the type of guy who, um, he has a big mouth, he says a lot of things <laughs> and he attacked uh, Habib quite viciously as well. Yeah. He went after his, uh, his father, he called him like a... Um, a coward, I think. A yeah, Chechen, he called him a coward. Something, uh, a Chechen uh, traitor or something. Yeah, and then he also called Khabib's agent a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, so that's, that. that's maybe crossing the lines <laughs> a bit. Um, <laughs> somewhere borderline racist right yeah. there. 
And then he was also, I, I remember that one incident in the press conference where he asked or he tried to get Habib to drink his whiskey. Yes. <laughs> so that was, um, that, uh, that obviously didn't go well, too well with Habib. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember when uh, this one this one reporter asked Habib, mm-hmm. um, he said salam to Habib, mm. and then he went to Connor and he said, um, congratulations on your new whiskey. Yeah. And Habib was not impressed with that at all. He was <laughs> like, you cannot say you cannot say salam and then congratulate on whiskey. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, Habib kept it before the fight. He kept it quite calm, yeah. and he he didn't really. Um, come off that he it was really affecting him. Yeah, um, but no one really expected the reaction from Khabib either. No one really expected him to jump out of the cage and then yeah, do yeah. that. That was a little surprising. But the problem here is the double standard because Khabib is being punished heavily yeah. for this, and his teammate is going to be fired for, or has been fired from the UFC. Yeah. But when Conor attacked a bus and yeah. injured two fighters seriously, and could have even perhaps even hurt someone even worse because a window broke in a bus and it cut people on the head with glass. That's really dangerous. Someone could have lost an eye. Connor was, okay, he had, a, he had to deal with a court date with the New York State Police, yeah. but the UFC didn't take any action against him. He lost a lot of money maybe, okay, but the UFC as an organization took zero action against him. Exactly. But they're taking action against Khabib and his friends and that's where the double standard comes up. Yeah, this is, uh, this is I mean, just it, it's it's like a very uh, almost racist um, agenda over there. Um, white privilege, I think, would be the more accurate term, because um, you look at some of the things which happen in the U.S. For instance, um, I think Habib's father isn't allowed to come to the U.S. to yeah, watch. Yeah, he was fights. denied a visa again. Exactly for so one of Habib's fights. Yeah, denied the visa, and uh, just you. You had to watch some of the reaction come immediately after the fight, mm-hmm. and it was extremely negative towards Habib. Yeah, at the time it was. Yeah, it, it was extremely negative. Um, it made him seem like some kind of thug, and uh, this reaction, it it's it was it's not the same for Connor. So mm-hmm. um, you can't have it both ways. You can't like have one standard for a white guy or an Irish white guy and mm-hmm. say that he's doing all of this just for. Um, publicizing the fight and mm-hmm. getting the money and and mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people believe that they, they think that all of this is for the money as in yeah. Connor is a big money draw and mm-hmm. um, whatever he does is justifiable because he's bringing the UFC the money but yeah. Habib's reaction is uh, it's been taken differently mm-hmm. um, so I mean it's 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 a Disappointing double standard. It mm. shouldn't happen, um, and I think a lot of the fighters have come in support of Habib as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, there was Chuck Liddell who came in in support. Mm. Um, there was um, the boxer Paulie Magnaji mm-hmm. who had some incident with uh, McGregor as yeah. well. <laughs> he has a past with Conor. Maybe that's why you said he <laughs> <with> Habib. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of people defending Habib for taking that stance and mm-hmm. defending his teammates and his team and his team. Um, and a lot of prominent people from the UFC, like uh, the commentator Joe Rogan, yeah. he even said after the fact, uh, his reaction to Khabib's um, jumping over the fence wasn't positive, obviously, yeah. Yeah. after the fight. But on his podcast, he recently uh, revealed that he, he doesn't think anyone should be banned as such. He's like, no one got seriously hurt. I think it's over. They should just not even give them any suspensions. Just let them fight again. Yeah, I, I think that um, obviously some punishment is due, hmm. but they they shouldn't overdo it. Yeah, for so sure. So they, they could fine him a bit. He, hmm. I think he maybe suspend do... him for like four or five months. Yeah, yeah, that would be okay. I yeah. mean, uh, fine him. Don't take away all of his money. As yeah, like that's ridiculous. Two million dollar yeah. purse. Yeah, which so, is still being withheld. He hasn't been paid. Connor yeah. has been paid, but Khabib has not that's, been paid. That's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, even Habib even said in his post, "You can keep the money." Yeah. And I'm going to back my brothers, my teammates. If yeah. you mess with them, I'm not going to wrestle for, I mean, fight for the UFC yeah. again. Which is, I think, justifiable. And a lot of people have given them respect for that. Yeah. Um, so, anything else you want to add about the fight? Uh, no, yeah, it was a good spectacle. And uh, <laughs> that's it. Let's move on to a different topic. Uh, what we wanted to discuss with you guys today is media generally in Pakistan and how it's changed over time. Uh, Pele was just the good old news talk show and stuff like that, but now it's evolving. You see 
different types of organizations like mango bars parlo vera yeah. they're giving people news talking about social issues stuff like that so it's really evolved the media in pakistan over the past few years yeah so um we've moved a bit from uh, the traditional uh, what do you call it the news channels and we're moving a bit towards digital media mm-hmm. uh, so we have a few websites out there such as uh, pro pakistani which is uh, which started off as a tech website i think mm-hmm. it still focuses quite a bit on tech mm-hmm. um you have mango bars which is a buzzfeed kind of website yeah. um, i don't really have particularly positive views about mango bars <laughs> <laughs> but there's another website called parlo um which well, is similar to mango bars i think yeah i think it's i, I don't know much about it mm-hmm. but um these websites are popping up now they're making a name for themselves yeah. and um to target it towards the pakistani audience so mm-hmm. in that sense we're growing a bit in the digital media environment um we're moving uh, i mean obviously the television media is huge still yeah. we have like uh, 40 or something media i mean news channels probably uh, more <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous yeah. <laughs> given if you just look at uh, us for example um, they have i think three or four main channels <laughs> um but uh, yeah so that's one of the points i wanted to talk about in pakistan we have uh, i think we uh, with the television media um what they do is it's more of uh, selling news it's hmm. it's not it's not um, they tend to sensationalize their news a lot um a lot of these channels are biased towards one particular party or another yeah. and it's a very obvious bias yeah yeah which is quite funny so you have like um, let's call them call these um, there are these three or four main channels which are quite obviously towards one side and then there's one channel one tiny bit of channel which is towards another side hmm. which has been targeted quite a lot in the recent past as well um, but yeah the, this news media is uh, it's it's i mean it, it it's a recent it's still a, quite a recent thing in pakistan yeah. um i think it only we only started getting these channels from around 2003 when during the musharraf era and so i think the first time we got was geo tv and after that all of these slowly quite slowly all of these channels started pouring out yeah. um, i mean free media is a good thing free media is a great thing if media is supposed to be the fourth estate and they're supposed to go after um they're supposed to go after the government in a way that they're supposed to highlight the policies of the government what it's doing right what mm-hmm. it's doing wrong and um so to keep them to keep the government in check almost in, yes absolutely yeah. so we, we need like a free media to do that mm. but in pakistan i think it's not really doing a uh, particularly good job. Mm-hmm. Um in Pakistan you have these uh, channels with news owners who who are obviously extremely biased towards one party or the other. Mm-hmm. Um I'll just give you an example of that when the current government came into power recently um they obviously have a lot of support from this one particular group. Um, I wonder what that group I, is. I wonder it's, it's <laughs> red and black or something. <laughs> But that group uh, I remember when the prime minister went and met media personnel. Hmm. He had a separate spot for that group. He had like a separate spot to meet the owner of that group. Hmm. And uh, that's just that's just ridiculous. And what uh, another thing which I have an issue with the prime minister about is he he openly speaks it's it's almost trumpian donald trump does this way he openly speaks about certain media groups so mm. he's spoken openly against geo for example he says it's biased against him and it gives favor to one particular party mm. and he's spoken openly against don newspaper as well mm. and uh, some of his comments have been almost dangerous in the yeah. sense that um and some there were some controversies with don as well don yeah. the newspaper wasn't being delivered to 
lots of people in Lahore and Islamabad. Yeah, the, the, that has more to do with a certain institution we're not allowed to talk about, so we won't talk about that institution. Um, uh, moving on. Uh, social media. Social media has been big in, uh, in, in the news industry in Pakistan. Now, you see a lot of uh, these companies posting regularly on Twitter, Facebook, etc. But uh, what's become really big in the past couple of years is WhatsApp. And WhatsApp has been used very actively by all sorts of parties in Pakistan to spread news. Yeah. And it's been very successful in spreading news. But the problem is that a lot of times that news isn't true. So it's very dangerous because the way it, it's very easy to spread news from, with WhatsApp forward messages yeah. on WhatsApp, of course. And by sending a video on WhatsApp, people forward it to their friends. There's people in hundreds of group chats with hundreds of people. So the spread of that fake news is, is very easy and is, happens very rapidly. Yeah. And that's also very dangerous. We have a we have a huge fake news problem over yeah. in Pakistan. Um, this is, uh, I mean, uh, this is extremely common in on Twitter and Facebook, hmm. and it's been used almost as a weapon by certain elements, shall we say? I mean, uh, um, one particular party started all of this uh, a few years ago. Um, but I think you can say that most political parties have now used it effectively. Yeah, yeah, because, because it works. Yeah, it works. It works. It, you, you get to your voter base, yeah. you tell them um, whatever you want to tell them against another party, and it just it strengthens. It's basically a form of propaganda. Absolutely. And absolutely. unfortunately, a lot of people believe that propaganda. And you can't even blame the people for agreeing with that propaganda because that's the only type of news that they're receiving. Like, I mean, if that's the news that they're consuming, they'll obviously think that that's true. Yeah, so that's a problem. I, I mean, I found it extremely funny that the new government has come up with this Twitter account called Fake News Buster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's good news. intentions behind that, I suppose, but uh, only <laughs> only if it's used intentions. effectively and not in a biased way. <laughs> yes, and that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> well, let's see. Happen. Let's give them a chance. <laughs> I mean, sure, it, it would be. I, I'd I'd like to give them a chance. Okay. Um, if they weren't the ones who started all of this. <laughs> I mean, that's, okay. that's what I hate about Pakistani social media these days, that it's extremely polarized. Hmm. So you have the, this one group, which, is, which has been active um, with their propaganda and fake news on Twitter for a long, long time. Hmm. And this has been encouraged from their, by their party leaders as well. Uh, I mean, I, I know the, I know they've denied, but this has been encouraged from the top, and uh, they've they've made like complete social media teams whose job it is to spread this propaganda and fake news, and to for them to come out with a fake news buster, it's I a little know, ironic. It, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I found it but, extremely funny to be honest. But it's been effective. They are the ruling party now. So do you think ethically it's wrong? It, 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 it's been ethically wrong for years. Hmm. They've been doing it for years. Um, they've been using it to get support for themselves. Hmm. They've been using fake propaganda. Even during the elections they used, um, they tend to bend the truth quite a lot. And they've hmm. been spreading news about their opponents. And uh, I mean, they, they do it because it's effective. Um, mm. it, I guess it doesn't really matter if it's true, if it's effective, and it's getting them to, uh, to uh, in, in power. So, mm. uh, I mean, uh, they'll justify it as a means to an end, and mm. they've eventually gotten that end. But uh, to convince us of having this fake news buster, and uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be very difficult for me, at least, mm. to accept this. And I think that this whole fake news agenda that they've created, this whole propaganda machine that they have, it's, it's going to continue. And they're going to continue using it and their opposition is going to continue using it. I don't see any end inside to this problem. Hmm. So do you think there is any way we can stop fake news? I mean, uh, <laughs> currently I think the only way to counter fake news is to have your own propaganda. So the only way to counter propaganda is with your own propaganda. So if someone makes a story about you, you 
make up a story about them. <laughs> so it's a very, it's a very vicious cycle. So yeah. I, I can't really think of a decent way to stop this fake news cycle hmm. at the moment. But yeah, it's been interesting to see how as technology changes, uh, more, there's more and more ways to spread propaganda. Obviously, propaganda has been a powerful tool that's been used by powers in the past for many years and for many different reasons. Yeah. And it's been very effective. Propaganda yeah. is effective. But now I think it's even easier to spread propaganda with Facebook, Twitter, and Facebook adverts and Twitter adverts. You can even target them, your, your exact audience. You can Absolutely. choose which people you want to use your propaganda against. Yeah, so uh, coming back to your earlier question mm. about how we can counter propaganda a bit. Um, so just in the last few seconds, I, I think one solution mm. is to educate people, especially the younger generation, about mm. the news they're getting. Mm. For example, on Facebook and Twitter mm. and WhatsApp. So, I mean, this isn't limited to the younger generation. It's, it's I think my, my relatives have been spreading forward as received WhatsApp messages as yeah. well. So it's not limited. I think the forward messages is more of a problem with older people. Yeah, it is. Because it is. older people tend to send more forward messages than the younger people on WhatsApp. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mostly these spicy, juicy articles with yeah. some, yeah. Uh, I don't know, some controversial thing. Mm. Or, the others yeah so. and most of the time it's not true yeah I think yeah. a way to deal with this would be to actually try and identify the source yeah. on whatsapp that's always a problem okay it's a forward message and someone is sending to you sending it to you you don't really know where it's coming from or you don't know where, what the source is exactly I think a good way to deal or to identify what news is true or not is to maybe have different sources to get the same news from so if you use uh, just an example digital media if you're trying to find the news from uh, Pakistan Today, Express Tribune, Dawn, all of these different newspapers, you maybe you should check all of them and read all three or four or five different stories yeah. from different newspapers to fully understand. Because every newspaper or every online platform will have a certain narrative and will shape every news story in that specific narrative that suits them. Absolutely. So I think that's one way we could deal with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that'll be dif difficult for like uh, just for example, a common person to mm. do that. I mean, they don't really have the time to read all. Ah, that's newspapers. also a problem. Yeah. Um, and the propaganda that we have today, the fake news, it's very good. Like they give you like sources, fake sources, <laughs> and they say this is real news. Uh, I mean, I honestly, uh, other than like educating young people on fake news and telling them that this is a huge problem and like helping them identify the fake news, mm. I don't think there's a uh, really an effective solution to it. I mean, mm. with what this propaganda, this fake news does, it, it keeps it keeps drilling into the minds of like the younger generation, yeah. even the older generation. They keep drilling it into your mind until you subconsciously, I mean, you don't even realize it, mm. but you have those beliefs in your head. Yeah. And uh, it just, it, it goes like, it, 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 it's like a way of influencing you. It's mm -hmm. a way of influencing people, of influencing voters and getting them on your side, basically. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a conundrum. <laughs> yes, yeah, it really is. And now after fake news, we even have to deal with fifth generation warfare. Yeah, and that's a serious problem that we're dealing with, yeah? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that's another extremely hilarious thing, but also a serious thing. Yeah, Hilarious, of course. yet serious. Of course. Um, so, fifth generation, how did we get to fifth generation warfare? <laughs> What happened, what was, uh, I guess, first generation warfare was conventional warfare, like guns and stuff. I thought that's like second generation warfare. Okay, so second, first generation with sticks and stones. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a defined first few generations yeah. of warfare. But the fifth, the fifth generation fifth of generation. warfare is, uh, is a bit of a, a paradox. It's not really easy to define the fifth generation of warfare. Yeah. It's, it's often been termed as information warfare by many experts. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, so um, uh, I'll try to be serious about this for <laughs> We will try while. very hard I'll to be, be serious. To serious. So, I mean, information warfare, it, it actually has a lot to do with the topic which we were just talking about. So yeah, so a, a government can influence its people in a certain way hmm. uh, through propaganda towards its own people. So, 
for example, the Indian government would want its people to think negatively about Pakistan. Mm-hmm. They'd want to um, push the narrative that Pakistanis are these uh, terrorists supporting terrible people mm. and their army is the worst thing in the world. Mm. But uh, that, that's kind of like, uh, like you're trying to ingrain a certain point of view into um, the, a whole bunch of millions of people. Mm. And uh, I mean, uh, that's kind of like, uh, it's, it's, it's like warfare in the sense that you're, you're making uh, so many people have a negative point of view towards the other side mm. of people, which uh, who, who might not have much of a, like a difference to them. They might ha- eat the same food, have similar cultures, but um, just by spreading this propaganda of hatred, they made them extremely hostile towards each other. Yeah. So to the point where a lot of these people um, on both sides, Indians and Pakistanis, hmm. they, they say like terrible things. And, and I mean, they say they want war with each other. Yeah. They want, so um, obviously this is a very sensitive issue. Hmm. Um, there's years of history behind it. There's hmm. terrible atrocities being committed in Kashmir, for example. Yeah. Um, people have been killed. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. A lot of people have been killed, and that's obviously going to create a very negative point of view on both sides towards mm. each other. But I think information warfare, from my perspective, is that you're influencing millions of people into um, this hostile mindset towards each other. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this so. So yeah, so information warfare, basically, uh, we have uh, we have these experts on information warfare. Y- yes, we do. Um, one of them is Zaid Hamid, who who's famous for his work on fifth generation warfare. Mm. Um, he often tells us how the Hindus and Zionists have combined forces to attack us um, through mm. their information warfare and their fifth generation warfare because we've defeated them in first, second, third and fourth generation yeah. warfare. Now they have to use fifth to get back now, to us. Yeah, yes. exactly. So mm. they've come to fifth generation warfare to... How could they stoop so low? I mean, we'd beaten them in the first four uh, generations. They had, they had no other choice. Yeah, so um, we don't... And the thing is, uh, what Zaid Hamid tries to clarify to us is that we don't know what's happening to us, hmm. this information warfare. The Hindus and Zionists, for hmm. example, are... The only, only Zaid Hamid knows this. Yeah, and that's yeah. why he has to tell everyone else. The man's an expert. Yeah, he's, of course. He's extremely um, well-versed. He's very knowledgeable, knowledgeable about hmm. this subject. And he knows that the Hindus and the Zionists, the Hindus, <laughs> for lack of a better term, <laughs> oh, have <God>. combined <laughs> to ingrain our younger generations to, um, I was just using the earlier example to hammer an opinion or a mindset into their heads mm. through their Western propaganda mm. and whatnot, through their TV shows and music and all this it's, evil, it's, evil, yeah, evil. It's, it's, it's terrible it's evil. It's just the, just the worst. It's just like turning the younger Pakistani generation against their own culture, yeah. against their own people. And, mm. Um, these Zionists and Hindus, they've done a number on us. <laughs> do you have anything to add on that? How do you feel? We've dealt with fifth generation warfare now, yeah. which, uh, which you've just elaborated on. What do you feel about sixth, seventh and eighth generation warfare? I don't know about sixth and seventh generation, but I'm constantly in a battle um, on Twitter. And that's eighth generation <laughs> warfare. And my so what is eighth generation warfare? I'll tell you a bit about it. My eighth generation warfare is against these people on Twitter, these anonymous people mostly who send me a lot of hatred, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of abusive tweets, terrible, terrible mindset, terrible things. And I'm Have they been influenced by Zaid Hamid? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> Zaid Hamid and other big figures who were green and red scarves maybe, um, live in Banigala maybe, <laughs> and they've influenced these... Uh, Don't make fun of Banigala. <laughs> Banigala is a fantastic place. Banigala is a lovely place. Uh, oh, the whole of Pakistan is a lovely place, but anyway... Oh, um, yes, great point. 
so yeah these trolls on the internet have been attacking me quite often and so i'm in an eighth generation warfare where so eighth generation warfare is the troll war yeah so my counter trolling is basically oh okay okay counter trolling yeah great, great, so okay. i try to are you the zed hamid of eighth generation warfare possibly possibly you have I to enlighten all these lovely people about eighth generation warfare you yes. need to tell them yes so eighth generation warfare i know that these trolls will attack me so i have to have a positive mindset hmm. i have to um, positivity important the first yeah. the first most important thing is to never let the hate get to you okay never let the trolls get to you never be emotional like if you if you're emotional and you send an emotional tweet back to them or an answer back to them that means the troll has won he's uh, he's used his hate effectively and he's triggered an emotional response from you but right yeah uh, so in eighth generation warfare what you do is something called counter trolling counter trolling so you mm. you heard it heard it here first on the weekly podcast without a name you have heard it here first to counter trolling is known as eighth generation warfare eighth generation warfare and eight you know is the most uh, beautiful number of course yeah most it's like closed if you turn it around it's infinity uh, yeah, it could exactly. be any number exactly and uh, <laughs> i don't know it's like something to do with numerology i don't quite know but it is a very important number i'm surprised you don't know about numerology you, yeah. you i mean you know so much about eight generation warfare yeah i mean i should know I, you should maybe we should we should we could call zaid hamid and get his expert opinion on yeah, on numbers yeah we should i mean the number 8 itself is extremely important in my life hmm. because i was born on the 8th oh wow <laughs> i was born wow. on the 8th and um i've seen this number come quite often into my life i mean i don't really believe in numerology but yeah anyway we're deflecting <laughs> from the point to back to the point back to what's important which is eighth generation warfare yeah so you you have to not be emotional about it you have hmm. to um use the trolls own language no not not use the trolls own no language. never stoop down to the yeah. trolls level you have to like do it in a sarcastic in a funny way to hmm. counter the trolls narrative to himself hmm. to make the troll feel hmm. how stupid his opinion is <laughs> <laughs> Your counter troll should be so good that the troll never trolls you again. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do because yeah. I think you've managed to do it really well on your Twitter. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I I try my best. Um I've been helped by this thing called the quality filter on <laughs> on my notifications so when mm-hmm. you turn it on it tends to filter out like 99% of trolls. So Wow, okay. So Twitter is taking action against eighth generation warfare yeah so this technology is i think it's like a, a force field a ball a donald trump's wall of <laughs> <laughs> invisible wall of keeping the trolls out mm. so um yeah thank you twitter for doing my job thank you me. thank you twitter <laughs> now he doesn't have a job <laughs> exactly so yeah so i think we should move on to the next topic let's move on acha now to a lighter note um we recently went to lahore to watch a film yeah. and we thought it might be interesting since we're based in islamabad it might be interesting to talk about some of the differences between lahore and islamabad and i'm just going to start first off lahore has an imax <laughs> and we don't have an IMAX in Islamabad. Yeah, That's that, a big plus for Lahore. Yeah, that is a big plus for Lahore. That also um, makes us seem quite uh, materialistic <laughs> that we're thinking about IMAXs and stuff rather than <laughs> focusing on the city itself, the culture. No, though the IMAX makes the city good. I mean, I love IMAX. It adds to the culture. Yeah, we we went all the way to Lahore just to watch the movie <laughs> the IMAX. We really do care about the IMAXs. And that just that just that does like, um, what do you call it um, uh, tell you how big of a burger we are both <laughs> are. But uh, yeah, so growing up in Islamabad, uh, it used to be a very quiet city, a very small hmm. city, but it's I've I've seen it expand uh, as I've grown up. Um I mean, but you're quite old you've seen you've seen it for a lot more years than I have. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for that <laughs> <laughs> beautiful remark. But um Yes, you were saying about Islamabad. Yeah, so the thing in Islam Islamabad uh, is Luite some would call it uh, resident of Islamabad likes about Islamabad is the quiet nature. Hmm. 
I mean... And even though it's expanded so much, it's still very quiet and yeah. still very nice. I you mean, can find peace we, very easily in Islamabad. Yeah, we, we like to do peaceful things like <laughs> climb the Mergullah Hills and yeah, yeah. sit there and experience the calm. Um, we like uh, we like our quiet. We like to go to sleep at 9 p.m. or whatever. You <laughs> I mean, speak do. for yourself. But um, uh, I quite like Lahore in that instance. Everything is open till later. Yeah. Uh, if you have nothing to do in Islamabad at nine, you're. I mean, like if you want to do something in Islamabad after nine, it's very difficult. Your options are very limited. I but mean, in Lahore. The whole city is at your feet. You can do whatever you want in Lahore. In I that mean, sense. Islamabad has gotten a bit better about that. Acha chalo, not nine. Then it's everything's open till ten now. <laughs> yeah. Huge improvement. Huge improvement. I mean, that's a big difference yeah. for us. Yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah. So talking about Lahore, um, I think I, I really like Lahore. I think it's a great, a very light. Great. Lahore is great. Huh? It, it has um, it has like a general Lahori feel. I, I really like the people in Lahore. Actually, Lahore has a Lahori feel to it. <laughs> I didn't I quite, didn't quite get that vibe when I was in Lahore. I, I, I hate you so much. <laughs> I genuinely do. I hate you so much right now. Uh, anyway, so Lahore, the food, the food in food. Lahore is excellent. Food, yes. The food choices in Lahore are huh. excellent. And on average, it's cheaper than Islamabad, yeah. which is great. You're getting better food. Often also in higher quantities and it's less expensive than Islamabad. In Islamabad there's a huge problem. There's new restaurants that are opening but the food is not very good, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I hate And it's expensive, on, but I, sorry. I do hate to hate on Islamabad but our food choices are limited. Our food is quite expensive and most of the time you're not getting the quality for the money you're paying. Hmm. So Lahore definitely wins out on that end. Yeah, that they win the food food they have fight. Extremely, they have a lot of choice. They have desi food. They have a bunch of restaurants. They have a very lively restaurant scene, hmm. and um, that's something a Lahori, I guess, has on us uh, as a Islamabadis. Yeah. But on the other end of the spectrum, we have our calm and our peaceful environment. While Lahore we've got can, hills, we've got We've got a peaceful environment. We have an extremely beautiful city as well. Very beautiful. Extremely Natural beautiful. beauty is great. And yet a huge thing, we've got less traffic. Yeah, Driving yeah. in Lahore or getting from point A to B is a huge problem yeah. and can take you a very long time. Islamabad, may, while you're living here, you get spoiled because every distance is so short. You can go from yeah. one end of the city to the other end of the city in 25 minutes. Yeah, Lahore may from one neighborhood to the other neighborhood, it takes 25 minutes. Exactly, that's because um, Islamabad is not a city, we're like <laughs> an overgrown village <laughs> and we like it that way. While Lahore yes. is like a mega city with millions of people mm -hmm. in there and a ring road. <laughs> a ring road, yeah. I really They've got a ring road. <laughs> um, but in, in that sense, I think Lahore is one of the most proper cities in Pakistan mm. because it has uh, Lively. It has like a growing public transportation scene as well. Mm. The Orange Line metro train is coming. They already have a metro bus. I mean, yeah. We have a metro bus. We too. have a metro bus here as well. We, we have a metro Which bus. is quite nice. Yeah. Um, our roads are very nice. I see Lahore's roads are very nice uh -huh. too. But Unless you go to like some some parts of Lahore, the yeah. roads aren't very nice. But khair, overall, yeah. driving in Islamabad is much more peaceful and much better. Yeah. Than driving in Lahore. I mean, it's getting worse though. In, in Islamabad? In Islamabad, huh. yeah. It's yeah. The traffic is. We're getting. We're getting it's a population back. problem. We have yeah. a population problem. We in do, Pakistan, not Islamabad. We do have like a lot of Lahoris coming in to move into. Ah, like Lahoris, stop moving to Islamabad, yeah. Let uh, us have our peace. And I'm not going to hate on those Lahoris for moving to Islamabad because we're so great for one. And secondly, <laughs> because. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find any native Islamabadis. Like yeah. Who, that's true. Uh, most of the people who settled in Islamabad settled from other areas because, yeah. because it's a planned city. It was made in the <laughs> 60s for our capital. It was purposely yeah. built for the capital. So you like 99% of the people I'd say have moved here from somewhere else. Mm. Um, so yeah, as an Islamabadi, I uh, it, it's it's that uh, I can't think of living in any other place. I yeah. That's true. I tried living in Karachi for a while. Um, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe I could live in Lahore, but maybe not for long. Hmm. It's just I, I like the I like the environment here. I like 
the trees and the shrubbery <laughs> and the hills. I like waking up in the morning and seeing the Mardula Hills there. Hmm. Um, I like the rain which clears up everything and we have beautiful days yeah. and we also don't have to deal with smog which is a we, problem in Lahore I mean we eventually probably will probably unless we unless we start caring about the environment environment yeah, yeah. so that's one initiative I think I agree we can all agree with the government with the billion tree I mean they give their initiatives very stupid names <laughs> like the billion tree tsunami and they're whatnot. trying they're trying it's okay. but the, it's a good initiative I good. think the, the one they launched recently is a clean green Pakistan initiative mm. and um, yeah so planting trees and keeping uh, your environment clean and reducing pollution basically that's an initiative we should all get behind yeah um, that's like it's that's that's what's different between Pakistan and the West, for example. Um, over here, if you litter, for example, it's it's a common thing to do. But it's very common, unfortunately. Unfortunately, people are always throwing stuff out of their car. It's very, very, very bad. And then we discourage this sort of behavior. Yeah, we do. And this podcast does not believe in littering. Absolutely not. Absolutely, that's the worst thing they could do. I mean, I have I've had like cousins and other people say that. They, they try to give me justifications. Uh, they the say Ki, uh, we threw that out of the car because oh we're making jobs. Like, someone's <laughs> coming come in the morning. This is such a terrible excuse. I've heard the same same justification from multiple people, <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, just uh, I think we should. Uh, a lot of what we face in um, Pakistani cities is there's there needs to be more education about um, throwing your trash in the proper place. Yeah. And I think we need more bins. bins we we, we that, don't have a lot of bins. We, that's the point. Of, we don't have bins at all. If you yeah. go to like a Western country, they have bins everywhere. Huh. They have like a proper system where those huh. bins will be emptied hmm. like every day. I think fines also. There's no fines for littering exactly. or no one gets fined. We should have uh, large fines on littering. Um, we should have fines for littering. Fines on huh. littering. <laughs> Especially if you're like someone on the car and you, you just throw huh, Big fines for people who litter from cars. Yeah, that, it just gets to me. Like, huh. Watching those people <laughs> with their big fancy, like someone in a big fancy car throwing out their... I mean, yeah. I don't really understand that. Like, what are you trying to do? This is terrible. But, yeah, huh. so back to the harness <laughs> part of it. Um, I think both, of, both cities have redeeming qualities. Hmm. For me, as a native Islamabadi, I can't imagine living anywhere else. Hmm. But um, for like short trips, I do enjoy Lahore. I, I Mostly because of the IMAX. The IMAX uh, but the food, yeah. <laughs> IMAX food. No, but Lahore has so much cultural heritage and history. I love seeing, one of my favorite things about Lahore is the ancient architecture. The fact that I'm from Islamabad and I live here most of the time. Yeah. So there's a lot of beauty here, there's natural beauty, but there isn't a lot of old architecture that you can see. But Lahore has that. You can see, go to the old neighborhoods, go to uh, Andrun, go to the walled city. There's so much out there. There's Mughal architecture, there's other architecture, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, so the sad part is that I've uh, been to Lahore a few times, but I've never actually experienced any of this architecture. Because... because <laughs> I mean, it's because we've been going to the IMAXs and the food and stuff. So, <laughs> Chala, next time we won't go to an IMAX, we're just going to explore Lahore. Yeah, I mean, we should do an Eva Zoo back and actually experience our own heritage for once. I think she has experienced more of Pakistan than we have experienced. I mean, the, the loss of heritage can be summed up in the fact that we're doing this podcast in English. A <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, very good observation. <laughs> So, oh, good yeah, point, good point. I mean, hopefully in the future we can have uh, an Urdu section. Ha, of course. I think we can do it in ha, both languages. Mix it in a little bit. This is how people talk in Islamabad. But uh, we're going to have guests on in the future in the podcast. So yeah. we're going to converse with them in Urdu and English, whatever they're comfortable with. We're going to have interesting guests. Like interesting guests. Top quality ha. guests. Top quality guests. Uh, okay, no, we're gonna have the great guests. guests. The greatest guests you've ever seen. We're gonna have some guests, which and they won't be like from a specific field or anything. We can have like we'll have athletes on, actors, celebrities, any person that we find interesting or we feel can bring value to you guys who are watching at home. We will try to have that person on. We will pick their brains and see how they can help 
all of Pakistan like this through this podcast. Absolutely. We we need like interesting people like artists and hmm. unusual sportsmen like maybe a UFC uh, MMA. Sorry, MMA fighter in Dude. Pakistan yeah. or I don't know like a filmmaker or someone. Yeah, uh, we'll try to get that. And speaking of MMA in Pakistan, there's a big event happening, the first international MMA event in Pakistan on the 27th of October, Nishtar Sports Park Lahore. Yeah. Uh, tickets are available online. Yeah at uh, I'm not sure where uh, we'll, but have, link in the we'll have the link in the description <laughs> but yeah, you can buy these tickets and make sure you buy these tickets there's an early bird discount before the 15th of October try to get them before the 15th of October but Khair, um, yeah so the, about that event I'm hmm. extremely proud that a lot of these uh, MMA fighters hmm. They're actually coming from Islamabad. Yeah. So Islamabad the, has a very yeah. lively MMA scene. Yeah, for sure. Fight Fortress Gym in G11 is uh, great and has produced some amazing fighters like uh, Alumi Kareem Shaheen, who is fighting on the co-main event against his opponent. And um, this is the first, like I said, international MMA event yeah. in Pakistan. That's a big deal. The main event is between a French fighter and a Brazilian fighter. Wow. But it's, 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 it's amazing that we've got our own Pakistani fighter from Islamabad. Yeah fighting in the co-main event. I and apart from that, there's three other fighters on the card. There's uh, Memosh Raza is also fighting, who's okay. from Islamabad. Um, Heather Furman is also fighting, who's also from Islamabad. And all three of these guys are from the same gym, Fight Fortress, in G11, which yeah. just goes to show you that this little shout gym, out shout, out, shout, shout out to Fight, Fight Fortress. Fortress. It's an amazing gym that's produced some of the greatest MMA talent in the whole country. And that's also coming from a small population of people in Islamabad. That's like that's so. That's uh, another one one bonus we have over Lahore. We've produced yeah. amazing, MMA amazing fighters. MMA fighters. You, yeah. Lahore, you need to step up your MMA game. No, the MMA scene in Lahore is also quite good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, but uh, um, I think this MMA scene could actually grow in Pakistan. Yeah. Because and I think we need to encourage uh, local athletes. No one really does that. And uh, there's no coverage for local athletes. It's a big problem, I think, in Pakistan. Yeah, so there's we, any achievement, SAF Games or Asian Games, anyone wins a medal, anything like that, no one is given attention. And it's really unfortunate. It's the age-old problem in Pakistan. It's cricket versus everything else. Huh? So cricket and gets all the attention. Yeah. Cricket gets but the cricket's the great, but like... There's a lot of athletes in I mean, Pakistan who are working. Cricket, cricket is, is great, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of athletes in Pakistan working very hard in other sports, and they're achieving great things, and they need to be recognized. That's Absolutely. very important. I agree with that. I mean, we have like a bunch of athletes who need to be highlighted. Yeah. Um, in whatever sports there might be, MMA or hockey or mm -hmm. football or whatever sport there yeah. might be, I think. We need to look beyond cricket uh -huh. a little bit as well. And we don't need to ignore cricket, obviously. Yeah. We're very good at cricket. Also, yeah. highlight it. But there's so many other sports which aren't being highlighted. And that's the point we're trying to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to try to do that a bit with our yeah. podcast here. And hopefully, in the future, you'll keep watching us, listening to us. Yeah. And because we have some great content coming up. Yeah, great podcast. content coming up. Uh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. This was our first podcast. We still don't really have a name, yeah, but uh, as yeah. yet unnamed podcast. Stay tuned. We will soon have a name. <laughs> yeah, and thank you, Muzammal, for your great insight in making fun of me. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Heather, for your insight on the different types of warfare that we face <laughs> Pakistan. <laughs> Absolutely, and we'll keep you updated on my eighth generation. There might be a ninth soon or a tenth even. Who knows? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> keep watching the weekly podcast. Thank you. Thank you.